Loneliness is no joke. At its best, it feels uncomfortable. And at its worst, debilitatingly painful. Lonely is definitely not how God intended for us to live. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. When God created people, he created them in his image. One of the ways we image God is in the fact that we are created as relational beings. God intends for us to enjoy fellowship with one another as we live out our time here on earth. Jesus has demonstrated this when he came and walked around on the earth he formed. He enjoyed fellowship with a large number of disciples and his 12 apostles. When he rose from the grave, how did he choose to announce his return? With trumpets or a sign in the sky? Nope. He told a woman to tell the others. The good news that brought salvation and great joy was spread in relationship. God is an us God. He is for us. In John 17, Jesus prayed and asked his father to unite his followers. He prayed that they would be one, even as we are one. But what if you aren't connected? What if you feel alone? What can you do about that? As I record this podcast, it's summertime. Sweet, right? Now is the time for visits with relatives, days at the beach, patio dining, vacations, fun, iced coffee. Summer is the time for cookouts and camp. I remember my first year at Bible camp. In fact, I honestly think it would be impossible to forget it. I was nine years old and heading to camp for the very first time ever. My parents were sending me with my 12-year-old sister to what was called Mixed Girls Camp, which is just kind of a funny name. Anyway, it was a week where both the younger and older campers were allowed to attend. As I said, my parents were sending both me and my older sister to camp together. But to say I went with my sister might give you the wrong impression. It would be more accurate to say that together my sister and I rode up in the same car with the same parents. Once we got there, she went to her cabin with her friends and her counselor and her schedule all on her side of the camp. My parents took me to my side of the camp to find my cabin, to meet my counselor and to get my schedule. They also brought me to meet the girl that I was to be at camp with. They had been overselling this girl for weeks. Your dad went to medical school with her dad. You'll have so much in common. Her mom is one of the nicest women I know. Or Jane is exactly your age. If we lived closer, I know you two would be such great friends. And finally, Jane is very, very friendly. I had never met any of these people before. Our moms had a conversation and thought it would be great to send us to camp together. I'd never met Jane or Jane's dad or Jane's mom. I was nervous to go to camp to begin with. 
and was pretty sure that going with a stranger wasn't going to make this any better. But my mom kept trying to assure me that I would be fine. Your older sister will be there at the camp if you need anything. Like what? Like what would my 12-year-old sister be able to help me with? What needs was she going to be able to meet? And my mom went on. Besides, Jean will be in your cabin. She's very friendly. I have no idea how my mom knew this. I was pretty sure she also had never met Jane either, but my mom was right. Jane was very friendly. She was really friendly. In fact, as soon as our parents introduced us and turned and walked out of the cabin to go get dinner since they hadn't seen each other in so long and they were so excited about this, Jane turned around and was able to make friends with all of the other girls in our cabin. I hadn't even had a chance to unroll my sleeping bag to check to see if my mom remembered to pack my teddy bear before Jane was the best of friends with everybody else. The week went on and this situation never changed. As I look back now, I don't blame her. I wouldn't have wanted to be friends with me either. I was the girl who couldn't stop crying. I, I was the homesick one. I didn't think I was going to make it a full week. I kept asking my counselor to let me call home. I told her, I know the number. I won't even talk long. She said no. So I asked the junior counselor. She also said no. I missed my parents. And the way things were going so far, I didn't think I ever would see my sister, who was in a cabin on the whole other side of camp. But I stayed. Because they made me. On the first night, I cried on my way to chapel. I clutched my Bible in one hand and a pile of Kleenex in the other and blinked really fast. I sat on the far left end of a bench with my cabin mates sprawling out to my right. Directly next to me, though, was one of the counselors. I could look past her, and I saw the rest of the campers, including Jane, laughing and having so much fun. I looked around the room, and then I spotted my sister off in the distance, which was really probably just four benches away, but it felt vast, like real vast, if that's a thing. Real vast. It was so vast. She saw me, too. I almost had a chance to wave at her, but then she quickly looked the other way. I don't blame her. She was 12. Not surprisingly, as the week went on, she actually grew tired of everyone asking her if it was her sister that was the one crying all the time. After chapel, I ran to my sister. I asked her, how could you not cry when we were singing How Great Thou Art, our dad's favorite hymn? Here I was, needing some advice. My mom had told her, told me if I needed anything, my sister was going to be there. So she looked at me, she rolled her eyes and said, dad's favorite hymn is surely goodness and mercy, and walked away. I started crying more because I realized I barely knew my parents. I talked with my counselors a lot. They told me to think of all the fun I was having. I had no thoughts. They told me to fall asleep thinking about how much fun I was going to have the next day. Instead, I quietly cried myself to sleep, hiding underneath my sleeping bag, grateful that my mom had remembered to pack my teddy bear. It smelled like home. I missed home. I went to the nurse. Okay, now here I have to say a little bit of a disclaimer. This was many, many years ago. 
Today, this camp, I am certain, would not do this. But back then, this camp did. And so, because of that, this camper went to the nurse and received homesick pills. They were brightly colored. They tasted amazing. The nurse said, if I ever started feeling off or sad, I could just take one of them and I'd feel better because they were made for kids who had homesickness. They worked for a little bit. I'd be walking along by the playground portion and start to feel sad and think about the park that was right by my, my parents' house and I took a, a little pill and I felt better. I'd wait in line at lunch and realize I didn't have anybody to stand by me and that nobody was going to want to sit by me. Uh, I took a pill and I felt a little bit better. I was excited to tell my sister about this remedy. I saw her lining up for dinner that night. So I ran over to her and I told her, I'm not so homesick anymore because I got some pills that they make specially for people who have homesickness. I told her I'd been taking them and that they worked. I showed him to her and she looked at him and said, those are candy and walked away. Remember, she was 12. I realized then that they actually did taste a little bit like the pills that came in the doctor's kit I got as a kid. I started crying more because, yeah, I was homesick and I've already understood now that I barely knew my parents and now I was recognizing that I was obviously pretty dumb. And then... That night, I heard our camp speaker say something that changed my life. No kidding. He talked about the importance of clinging to Jesus like branches cling to a vine. He had us open our Bibles and look at John chapter 15. I unzipped my white bonded leather new Bible. My parents had given it to me right before I left for camp. I took out the bright orange marker I was given as well. My mom told me I could use it to carefully, she emphasized carefully, underline any verses that were mentioned. She made it sound pretty special, and so I thought I maybe should stop at one verse. But as the guy was reading, they were all so meaningful. So with an orange marker and a scrawny hand that had been clutching Kleenex for days, I made a mark in my Bible while it made a mark in my heart. I underlined verse 1 and then 2. And then three and then four, and I couldn't stop at five. So I went on to six and seven, all the way up through John 15, verse 17. I'm going to read it for you right now from that same white Bible. John 15, starting at verse one and reading through verse 17. I am the true vine. Jesus is talking. In my Bible, it has red letters. Again, I start, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. You are already made clean by the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If one does not abide in me, he's cast forth as a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it should be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This I command you to love one another. I read this and I thought, oh, I know Jesus already, but I wanted to be sure I was clinging to him. I wanted to be sure he knew I was clinging to him too. I wanted to be able to be sure that I was called a friend of God and I wanted to bear much fruit. I wanted to be able to ask the Father anything in Jesus' name, and I wanted him to give it to me. That might sound a little bit shallow right now, but I remember my desire. I wanted to stop crying and have a friend. I wanted to make it through the week. I wanted to stop embarrassing my sister and repelling Jane. And more than anything, I wanted to know that Jesus was clinging to me and would never let me go. So after chapel that night, I talked with my counselor who assured me that what I had heard was true and that while I might not always be near my parents and while I might not always be able to find consolation in those around me, there was one who would never leave me or forsake me. My counselor wrote this with purple marker in the back of the same Bible, assuring me that I could know that I was going to heaven and that while I was here on earth, I could be confident that God was always with me. I had one more full day at camp before I was to head home. And that day was different. That day I walked around with an assurance that I wasn't alone. I stopped crying. Now, I didn't necessarily want to sign up to stay for the whole summer, but I made it. And the next year I went back. And the next. And the next. For many more years. Eventually I decided to work there and I was a counselor. And man, did I understand when girls came up to me with big tears in their eyes, feeling homesick. Many years later, I went up as a speaker. I continued to speak there pretty frequently. And this one girl one day was sitting on a bench right outside of the chapel. She was sitting down. She had a tiny little notebook. And she had one of those great big fat pencils that you can get as a souvenir places that have like a little string on the end. And she was writing in her tiny little notebook with this great big fat pencil. The pencil was going up and down and back and forth and back and forth. And I looked over and I sat down next to her. She looked kind of sad. And I looked down at her paper and she was writing, Mom, Dad, Ethan, Mom, Dad, Ethan, over and over and over again. I sat there for a minute. She looked over at me and she said, Hey, do you ever think that it's easier to give advice than to take it? I was like, yeah, yeah. what do you mean? She's like, oh, well, there's a girl in my cabin who's 
kind of homesick and I keep telling her she needs to like think about other things and, and she needs to be like excited that she's at camp. But well, and she stopped for a minute and I said, are you homesick? She said, yeah. Like, do you have a brother named Ethan? She's like, whoa, how'd you know that? Like, well, I was just wondering if that was his name that you were writing. Yeah, she said, yeah, I have a mom and a dad too. I kind of miss them all. And my heart broke for that little girl because I remembered. Oh, this past winter, I was asked to speak at a conference for camp directors and staff members. As I was preparing my messages with my grown-up Bible beside me and my computer open in front of me, I was met with an overwhelming sense of, what am I going to say inside of me? And I was struck by this memory of my first year at camp. I closed my eyes and I felt the truth of God's word like I was again nine years old. I stayed there for a minute. Then I hurried to the basement to find my old white Bible with a gold zipper on the bookshelf. I wanted to be sure I was remembering this accurately. I unzipped my Bible and I opened up to John 15 where I found an unsteady underline and bold orange made by a timid girl who was learning to cling to the true vine, who had promised to never leave or forsake her and would provide all she needed in order to bear fruit. I cried again, this time in thankfulness for the power of the word and the presence of a living and loving God who daily invites me to cling to him as he clings to me. I am not alone. You, my friend, need not walk alone either. Please, If you are lonely, I know it's hard, but please reach out to someone. It might be scary. You might feel awkward or uncomfortable, but it's better than being devastated by loneliness. God created you to be connected. Connect with someone. You can talk with a friend or a pastor or a teacher or a counselor. You're not alone. God is with you. He is for you. He wants to lead you, walk beside you, and cover you with his love. Now that is a good story.